This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Welcome back to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm your host today, Patrick Edwards, and I'm on the road. So this is a special edition of Patrick on the Road. I'm heading out, doing some traveling for my work. Wanted to talk a little bit about something that was brought up to me the other day. My friend Seth, he had asked me to do a breakdown of when you're going to a new body of water, what are some things that you need to do? What are some things that you need to look at? What are, what's the kind of gear you should take? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a high level overview of how to break down different types of water and maybe some ideas of things that you should do beforehand some things you should take with you, and of course, some things you should try while you're there. So we'll go through that, and then we're going to talk specifically towards the end about pike, because he was more curious about the pike fishing aspect of things. So we'll talk about that too. But first, I just want to say a big thank you again to PK Lures. They are our fishing sponsor for the podcast. They've been great company to work with over the last few years. They have quite the arsenal of products. And if you're going to be going anywhere this year fishing, doesn't matter whether it's open water or hard water, make sure to grab some PK lures. They've got applications for all of the above. For ice fishing season, if you don't have the PK flutterfish and the PK spoon and the PK predator in your box, you're missing out. If you're fishing the open water and the new PK Ridge Rattler, it's a rattling crankbait. You can use it through the ice too, by the way, but it works great in open water. If you're catching trout, bass, walleye, doesn't matter. It catches just about everything. They have some great trolling applications. They have some trolling crankbaits like the PK Ridgeline crank. And then, of course, their Wobbler, Dakota Disc, Reef Rig, and other trolling systems for walleye specifically. Those things are absolutely deadly. And then year-round, the PK Spinajig. How could I forget that one? That one's amazing. So go to pklure.com. If you use Radcast at checkout, you get 20% off your order. So let's talk about breaking down bodies of water. Really, there's a few things that you should do well beforehand. If you know you're going to be taking a big trip and you're going to make a big investment, especially right now when you got gas that's four, some places, five bucks a gallon, You want to make sure that you've done your homework prior to going to this body of water to fish. It doesn't matter whether it's a river, a lake, a pond, a reservoir. You need to do your homework beforehand. So one of the things that I always recommend is, number one, get a hold of the fisheries biologists that work at that body of water. They're going to be able to share important information with you, some reconnaissance on what kind of fish are there, what are the typical size. Maybe you're interested in the size classes. Maybe you're going after master anglers and you want to make sure that you give yourself the absolute best chance of catching that master angler fish. The best thing to do is say, hey, I want to go there and I want to catch a big fish. Okay, they're going to be able to hopefully key you in on some good areas or at least give you some people to talk to. You can also do some recon on the computer or on your phone. So Onyx is a great tool. Google Earth, of course, is a great tool. I like to pull it up 
and just look at what I can see visually from the satellite view. Sometimes you get the bad luck of having a Western reservoir after runoff and the whole reservoir looks like chocolate because all the sediments wash down the river. You can't really see like into the water. You can see some of the rocky points and structures, but you can't see much else. But some are super clear bodies of water and you can see really well. So what I recommend is pull it up. You know, take a look at it, maybe drop some pins on some areas that you think look good. And so some areas that I look for is transitions from hard to soft bottom. So if you see like a rocky shoreline where it goes into like maybe a sandbar, that's a good spot. Any kind of point that has a drop off. If you can see weed edges, transitions are typically where you're going to find fish most of the time. So I mark those and just get an idea of what I'm looking at and, and just get a feel for the reservoir. I also look at where can I put in if I'm taking a boat, where's the boat ramp at? Where's the bathroom at? <laughs> Those are important things. Where's the parking area? Maybe I'm just gonna go take my waders and I'm gonna fish the shoreline. You're gonna have to look for a parking area. You also wanna look at the property surrounding that body of water to make sure that it's public because if you need special access to it, you're gonna have to request that beforehand. So if there's private access, you're going to need to make those phone calls, those emails, whatever it takes to get access to that area. So that's some of the pre-homework that I would that I would recommend. I would also recommend you maybe call a local bait shop and just say, hey, I'm coming to fish for this specific species. What are people catching fish on right now? What's the hot bait? Or during the time of year that I'm going, if I'm going in September and I'm calling the bait shop in May, say, hey, in the fall around September, what kind of things should I be bringing to catch whatever fish it is, right? Could be walleye, trout, whatever, but just be very specific. Ask those questions. Those bait shops are going to be more than happy to tell you because they want you to come and buy those lures from them. And I always try to do that. Support your local bait shops, go in there, buy a few lures. That's a great gesture. They really appreciate it when you do that. So do that. That'll get you set up for your trip, okay? Now, let's talk about some of the things you ought to take. For most freshwater situations around the entire country here in the United States, these are some of the things I recommend everybody takes, okay? You should have some kind of suspending crankbait anywhere you go in this country, especially if you're gonna fish for anything predatory. So if you're going for bass, walleye, trout, panfish, they all eat suspending crankbaits. I've caught them all on it. And I've even caught suckers and carp on them too. So you never know. You may catch one of the less desirables on it too. But a suspending crank is one of my number one things. So you want to have those. You want to have some kind of a jig setup. I always have jigs with me. And usually they're the eighth ounce and 16th ounce size. I always have marabou jigs because those catch everything from... Yeah, carp all the way through to trout. So make sure that you have some kind of a jig set up. I also like the VMC Moon Eye Jig. Those are phenomenal. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, the PK Spinner Jig, because it's a hybrid between a jig and a spinner. And you can do a lot of cool things with it. You can swim it, you can jig it, you can do all kinds of stuff with it. I also make sure to take some kind of a soft plastic to tip my jigs with. I like to bring Berkeley Gulp. 
gulp seems to work really well, especially on trout. I catch tons of trout on gulp, but you can also bring the power minnows. You can bring paddle tails. I like the walleye assassin paddle tails quite a bit. So make sure to bring something like that to tip your jigs with. And then of course, depending on the body of water that you're going to and what the regulations are, you might be able to buy some live bait, which is great. It's always good to have some crawlers if it's during the summer, maybe minnows like in the fall, spring, and winter. So just check the regulations, make sure that you're doing the appropriate things and fishing with the right stuff. But jigs are essential to have in your kit. I like molded swim baits too. So like Storm makes a molded swim bait. It's just a, it's about two and a half, three inches long. I like to have those because they're really easy to fish. All you got to do is tie them on, cast them out, let them sink down to whatever depth you want to fish and just slow reel them back. You can reel them and pop them back, but those work on just about every species that I fish for. So those are critical, but also spoons are huge. I know a lot of people think that spoons are just a thing of the past. Believe me, it doesn't matter whether you're fishing for largemouth bass or trout, spoons work and they work on all the species. They work really well. So if I'm going to go on a trip, I'm taking a flutterfish. That is my favorite hands down to fish anywhere. And I like all of the varieties that they sell as far as the metal plated ones. So if you get the ones that are gold colored, copper and nickel, those three are always in my kit because I can cast them out and I can do a straight retrieve. I cast them out and I can pop them back. I can vertically jig them from a boat. They work amazingly well. So make sure that you have some kind of spoon. The PK spoon is another great option because you can seriously cast that thing a mile because it's got a lot of weight down towards the bottom of it. But take those with you. Fire Tiger Glow is a good color. And of course you hear us say this all the time, but the Red Dot Glow is an amazing color as well. So get a hold of some of those. I would have spoons and then spinners. I've been fishing spinners my entire life and I can tell you there's two that I use just about everywhere and that's the Panther Martin and the Rooster Tail. They work hands down. Also the Blue Fox is another great option. So make sure you have some kind of spinner. And then you've pretty much got your bases covered. If you're doing topwater, of course, look at some whopper ploppers. If you're going after big game, if you're doing flies, there's a million different flies and we have episodes to talk about the different fly options that you can take, but make sure that your kit is set up. Also rod and reel wise, make sure that you are fishing with the appropriate setup there. Make sure that you have line that can handle the fish that you're going after. If you're going after toothy critters like tiger muskies and pike, make sure that you have titanium leaders and heavy duty snaps. A lot of the snaps that come with your titanium leaders standard are not sufficient. Okay, did you hear that? They are not sufficient. I can tell you this from a heartbreaking experience. I was fishing in Utah for tiger muskies and I hooked a really nice tiger muskie and I had my titanium leader on. It was the stock setup and that thing rolled really hard and snapped the snap that was at the end of that titanium leader. It was not good. I cried a little bit. He was not good. So make sure that you beef up that snap if you're going after the toothy critters because they are powerful, they hit violently, and they will totally jack up those 
cheap snaps that come on them. I always buy some bigger size snaps and put them on myself just to be sure because I don't want to have a repeat of that very sad day. Yeah, if you're going after toothy critters, I recommend that. Also, if you're going after the bigger game stuff, the stuff that's a little bit more beefy and can really rip on your drag, make sure your drag system's working well. You might need to give your reel a tune-up. Also, check your rod. A lot of people end up damaging their rod and they don't realize it. Then can have a rod snap while they're fishing. So just give it a good look over make sure it's all set up. Make sure your eyelets are clean and that they're not going to fray your line, that you don't have a messed up eyelet. So just make sure your gear is ready and it's appropriate for the type of fishing that you're doing. And then, of course, if, if you're going to a body of water where you got to wade, make sure you prepare yourself. Have containers to go into the pouch of your waders that can carry the lures that you need, your pliers, your knife, all the different pieces of kit. If you're going after big game and you're going after those pike and those muskies, make sure, this is critical, make sure that you take sufficient cutters to cut your hooks if needed. Sometimes pike and muskie will get themselves all tangled up. It gets tangled up in their mouth and it's bad for the fish to try to rip those hooks out at that point. Sometimes it's better just to clip them off. And in a worst case scenario, if you get hooked, you're going to want a way to cut that hook out, cut the hook so that you can get the hook out, I should say. I'll just say, having been there multiple times, you want to have sufficient cutters with you if you're fishing big game, they will come in handy. The other thing too is also eye protection. Make sure you've got some sunglasses. If you're going to be night fishing, wear the clear safety glasses just again to watch out for your eyes. Make sure you have sufficient sunscreen, hat, all those things. Make sure you got all that stuff. Should be good to go. Now for getting into it. When we get to a body of water, sometimes... Water levels fluctuate, right? Everybody knows that, especially in the West, the Western reservoirs. You may have six feet, 10 feet, 20, 30 feet less of water than you expected or more than you expected, depending on the season and depending on the runoff. This isn't necessarily the case in a lot of other places, but out here where I live, year to year, the water levels are different and you don't know what you're going to be facing. So when you pull up to that body of water, what you saw on your Google map may be completely different, okay? Or what you saw on OnX may be completely different. And that's okay. What you need to do at that point is then make sure to touch base with your bait shop and get some good intel. Maybe things have changed quite a bit and you are going to have to pivot and you're going to have to adjust. Maybe the fish are going to be off of a different edge or a different point. Maybe with the water being higher, which is common here, the brush will get flooded and the fish will be in two to three feet of water. But you need to figure that out right when you arrive. You need to assess the situation, see what the water level is and make adjustments as necessary. If you have a boat, it's a lot easier because then you can go out, you can scout, and do your thing. If you're on shore, it may drastically change what your approach is for that trip. One thing to do beforehand is maybe call and see what the water levels are like. Some bodies of water, like if they have a dam, you can go to the Bureau of Rec, different places and, and look up that information and just see what the water levels are. But not all places have that online. So a lot of times you're going to have to make a phone call. But water levels can really mess you up. But as soon as you get there, you've got to really assess that, look it over. If I'm in a boat, I'll take it out, get it launched. 
and go and just drive around a little bit, just assess the situation, turn on the fish finder, see what's going on. You're going to want to look at water temperature too. If it's super cold, that might change the presentation that you have. If it's really hot, that also might change the presentation that you're going with. Because I can tell you, when it's really warm, topwater baits are my go-to for bass and pike and that kind of thing and muskies because they love to hit things when it's a little bit warmer. So it just depends on what you're doing. Again, these are just general tips, but assess that water, get out there, see what's going on. You can also see where other anglers are at, get an idea, but just scout it out and then go out there and take everything that you've done pre-fishing, put it together and put it to use. Figure out where the fish are, go maybe troll an area for a little bit. If you're looking for walleyes, it's probably a good idea to troll a little bit, figure out where they're schooled up. Then you can sit on them and you can hit them with those spoons. You can hit them with those jigs, whatever setup that you want to go with. Now that we've done that, I want to do a little bit of a breakdown specifically for Seth talking about pike. The thing about pike is you want to, in my opinion, you want to focus on them at the time of year that's going to make the most sense. So again, doing some of that homework and talking to the biologists and saying, when's the best time of year to come? They're probably going to say from ice off to about, I don't know, June, July, somewhere in there is going to be your best bet on a lot of bodies of water because that's when they're the most aggressive and most active. So that's the time frame that I would personally shoot for. And then also what I would do is look at it on a map. I would look for those weed edges. If it's really early in the season, I'm going to look for where does it look like the inlet is? Where is the outlet? Look for where the ice is going to come off first. If I'm going to fly fish that area for pike, certainly looking at right after ice off, looking at where it's going to melt first, where those fish are going to go shallow to warm themselves up in the sun. I would look for those areas. Those would be prime for me. But also if it's any kind of clear water and I can see on that map where those weed edges are, I'm going to be focusing on the weed edges really hard. There's a particular body of water that I used to fish where it had muskie and pike, you could act, there were, there were actually two different weed edges. So I'll explain that a little bit. There was a type of weed that grew in this particular body of water that was really thick and really heavy, but in between it and some of the deeper water was another weed edge of another type of weed. And in that little trough in between, those big fish would sit there and ambush alewives, smallmouth bass, perch, bluegill, whatever came by. So if you can see that and focus on areas like that's going to give you the best opportunity to catch those fish. So put yourself in the fish's position. If you're a pike, what you're trying to do is eat and you want to eat other fish. What do other fish need? They need cover, right? And so they're going to look for those weeds, those rocks, those cover elements where they can hide. So where are you going to be? You're going to be in a strategic point to ambush those fish as they move around those structural elements. So once you think about what the pike, what that predator is wanting to do, that's going to give you an idea of how to present your lure, where to present your lure, where to set up. That's another key thing to think about with pike is you don't want to rush up on a spot. If you're in a boat or even if you're a shore angler, you need to be super careful about rushing up on spots because you can spook the fish 
And then that can be that, especially if they are at all pressured, you need to be really careful about trying to not spook those fish. It's super easy to do. Just if you're in a boat and you've got an electric trolling motor, stock up on that area that you want to fish slowly. Don't go roaring up there with your boat, creating a big wake, creating a lot of commotion. So pull up on that spot slowly and work it, okay? I'm going to give you guys another tip that a lot of people don't realize, but pike, tiger muskies, and muskies really like a particular lure. And I was actually just telling a guy about this the other day because Danny Curdle, I used to catch him on this all the time, and it works great because it's a bait that you can also, a lot of these bodies of water also have big largemouth and smallmouth. They'll help you produce both pike, tiger muskie, muskies, and bass. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but the Zoom Brush Hog, they make them in different sizes and you can buy those. And what I like to do is put a sled head jig that's made, and now I got to remember, it's a sled head jig head and it has an owner hook. So it's made by owner. That with a Zoom Brush Hog will catch lots and lots of fish, but it's super effective on pike. So I would throw that if it's cold, you can work it on the bottom nice and slow. You just have to feel for them picking it up. It's just like bass fishing, but pike love that lure. Sometimes they'll slam it, about rip the rod out of your hands. Make sure you got a decent grip on your rod, but that's a great lure to use. And I would use that along those weed edges because it's a weedless lure. So you can present that in a way that you don't have to worry. A lot of times, like a weedless spoon is also a good option. You can throw that, have a little curly tail coming off the back and kind of work it along that weed edge. They'll charge out and grab it. I also like bigger crankbaits. It's really fun to throw like a bigger suspending crank, rip it along that weed edge and have those pike just come flying out of there and smash the snot out of it. But by far, my favorite is the Whopper Plopper. To throw that up over the top of the weeds and have them come blow up on that, that is probably one of the highest adrenaline ways to fish for pike. Again, I, I think no matter what kind of fish you're going after, like that was a pretty pike-specific example, but no matter what kind of fish you're going for, think about what that fish needs to survive. Okay, if you're fishing for panfish, they got to have cover. They got to get away from those bigger fish. So they're probably going to be in the weeds. They're probably going to be in, in the tree that's fallen into the lake or the, on the rocks. They're going to look for structural elements to conceal themselves and to hide. And you're going to want to fish right in them or right on the edge of those to catch those fish. And again, if you're going after the big predatory species, they're the same way. They're going to be in there trying to find those fish that are seeking cover. So you just have to think about those elements and it's really going to increase your odds of success. I wanted to throw in just a quick recipe here because I'll tell you what, pike are one of my favorite fish to eat. Since we've been talking about pike, I want to pass this one along, but pike is a different texture. Okay. So if you're familiar with walleye, a crappie, a purge, those are very flaky fish, really white, really tasty, right? Everybody wants to eat walleye, crappie, perch, bluegill because they just taste amazing. Pike tastes amazing too. And a lot of people though don't want to catch pike and don't want to harvest pike because they're afraid that they're like, oh, they're really slimy. 
They got the teeth, but I will tell you, and they got the bones, right? A lot of people complain about the Y bones. It's really not that hard to fillet a pike to where you can get the Y bones out. And the meat texture is so much better in my opinion than like a walleye. Some people really like the flaky meat. I, it's all right. But I'll tell you what, I would much prefer to have a pike because they are firm like a steak and they are delicious. And so what I like to do is fillet them, get the Y bones out, and then I like to season them with cowboy Cajun seasoning from High Mountain Seasonings. And then you can just pan sear them in a little bit of butter and put those on a fish taco. And let me tell you, amazing. They are delicious. You will enjoy it so much from a texture and a taste perspective. It will blow your mind. Now, here's a couple of things to keep in mind. When you catch that pike, you're going to harvest it. Make sure that you bonk that fish really good. Pull the gills, not with your fingers, with a pair of pliers, because otherwise you're going to get cut up like you wouldn't believe. But pull the gills, put them in some cold water, let them bleed out. Keep them in an ice slurry. Take really good care of that fish, okay? Get to the fillet station, fillet them out, get the skin off because that's where all that slime is going to come from. Get that skin off of there. Then take that meat, keep it nice and cold. When you go to prepare it and you've gotten your Y bones out and you've done all that, put it on a platter and take your cowboy Cajun seasoning, sprinkle it over the top. And then just let it sit for about 30 minutes before you decide to put it in that hot butter to cook it, okay? And the reason I say to do that is because the seasoning will adhere to the meat. So when that meat sits out like that, it gets a little bit tacky. And so when you sprinkle that seasoning on, it will have time to adhere to the flesh of that fish so that it doesn't come off and just get wasted in your pan. Now, some of it's going to come off when you cook it, but... That's to be expected. So what you can do is get like, my favorite way to do is get a cast iron skillet, get it heated up, put some butter in it, get it all melted, then lay those fillets in there, cook them for a few minutes until you can see it, that it's cooking through, then flip it over and cook it on the other side. I tend to do it a little bit more on the hot side just because I like to crisp it up on the outside, but you can do it however you want, but just make sure you've cooked it through. And then, yeah, I put it on a fresh tortilla that I've warmed up. You can go with either flour or corn tortillas. I like to put a good slaw, a good coleslaw on it. I also like to use feta cheese. Some people are like, man, I don't know about the feta cheese thing, but cojita cheese is also really good, but have some kind of a cheese. Maybe it's a cheddar that you like, whatever kind of cheese you like. And then I like to put a little bit of hot sauce on there. My two favorite. If I want to go a little spicier, I go with the Tapatio or I go with the Cholula, but it is delicious. You won't be sad that you kept the pike as long as you do it right. You take care of them. They are delicious. So hopefully you go out and try it. And if you want to get some seasoning, you can go to High Mountain Seasonings website and you can use Bradcasts at checkout there as well. You can find these promo codes when you subscribe to Radcast Outdoors site. Highly suggest you do that so that you can get all of our promo codes. But anyway, get some high mountain seasonings. They're sold just about anywhere. So get all of this, some high mountain seasonings, make some pike. It's delicious. That's all I got for this episode. Thanks for sticking around with me. We're going to be coming with a lot more of these type episodes. 
just giving you tips and tricks to take out in the field. Maybe you're going to go out there and you, you've got master anglers on your mind, or maybe you just want to take somebody fishing to a new place and see if it's any good. So these tips will hopefully help you a little bit in your next journey. So again, join us next time for Radcast Outdoors. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at radcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation, and we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors. Music.